0: Good
1: morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mac, Jack, and Jim This Week in Sports show here Sunday, every Sunday on Northeast Streaming Sports as we're live on Roku TV, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, or all over the place, folks. Good morning to you. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, legendary boxing writer, Hall of Famer Jack Hirsch, and our legend on the show, the greatest Dallas Cowboy defensive lineman of all time. Jim Jeffcoat. And folks, uh, before the show, of course, I had to put Jack in timeout again, so now he's at the bottom <laughs> of the screen. That's why he's down there right now, because he's <laughs> giving me a hard time, not only during the show, but before the show. You know, I'm kidding.
2: But Jack is the key guy. Is boxing. We're going to talk a little bit about boxing.
1: Ah, nice segue, Jim. Nice segue. Folks, last night, if you didn't see it, live on YouTube, Roku TV and Facebook, Glove Fist, featuring our co-host Jack Hirsch and his co-host Frank Letirza covered the title match between Ugas and Spence in a watch-along and they did incredible job last night Uh, we also had Jim Jeffcoat was on there too as he comes in live with a report from Las Vegas as he was live at the fight too and of course I want to get both of your reactions on this and before I get into that today on the show Folks, we have Keith Angle from TGI Sports, Robert Butler from SportsCope, and the Philly sports guy, uh, Jamie Pack. So they'll all be joining us as we go through today's show. So let's start off with Jack. Jack, first time you and Frank ever did anything like this, you guys got tremendous views, you got a tremendous show. And, you know, you're two very knowledgeable men in boxing. You, you both have been around boxing all your lives, have been in charge of shows. You've been a president of the Boxing Writers Association of America. Frank's been on TV, on radio covering fights and you got, like I said, you guys did a tremendous job. I just want to give you, get your thoughts first on last night's fight. I was here producing the show. It sounded like to me and from what I saw in the highlights, I didn't see it live because I was running the board and all the, all the stuff that goes along with that. It seemed that Spence was definitely the aggressor. That Ugas did have a couple moments, but Spence was overall too much for Ugas.
3: Well, Arrow Spence stopped Yodinus Ugas in 10 rounds. Uh, Ugas had, you know, severe swelling on his eye, especially his right eye was completely shut. By the way, Jim Jeff Coat was at ringside. Jim, you were the equivalent of that sideline reporter for football. Getting us, you know, the inside, being on location over there. So kudos to you, you know, being there and all. And, uh, you know, Spence was expected to win. The consensus was that Spence would win eight rounds to four, nine rounds to three. But Spence took it up a level in the sense that he carried the fight to Ugas. He wanted a sensational performance. He didn't just want to settle for a win. And for the most part, Spence dominated. He was just quicker, got off a lot better. But he did have one scan the sixth round. I kind of won the gym. What was the reaction? Ugas hit him with an uppercut. Spence lost his mouthpiece and instinctively, instinctively, and you can relate to this as an athlete, sometimes you do things on instinct that you shouldn't be doing. He started bending down for his mouthpiece. And the biggest rule in boxing, and in all sports, in reality, protect yourself at all times. And Spence neglected to do it. He yes. thought the referee would call a timeout or something and give him a reprieve. Then Ugas start, you know, hit him again and sent Spence reeling into the ropes. And for a moment, Spence was in real trouble in that sixth round, and you thought you might have a major turnabout where August might actually stop Spence. What was the reaction? at a crowd, Jim, to that point and when Spence was in trouble?
2: Well, being that Spence was in Texas, in uh, Dallas, and he's from the Fort Dallas-Fort Worth area, when they he did that, you should have heard, the, and you did, you heard the booze because they thought that was a cheap shot. But to Ugas' defense, he's fighting. He doesn't know that uh, the mouthpiece is out, and he's just, he's wondering what's going on, and he's hitting Spence, and it was a negative Obviously, reaction by the fans, but it was a fight. And just like you said, you got to protect yourself. You got to protect yourself and let the ref stop the fight. He stopped the fight, obviously, for Ugas when his eyes started puffing up. I think it was about the uh, fifth round that his eye really started getting bad. So he did stop it, but he didn't stop it at that time. And Spence took a good hit
3: but there was another little controversy in that round when a fighter loses his mouthpiece the action is not not supposed to be stopped until there's a lull in the action mm-hmm. if one fighter's attacking another and he clearly has an advantage the referee's not supposed to step in until it's obvious you know the fight on the receiving end you know can handle himself isn't in trouble anymore yeah. It seemed like referee Lawrence Cole stepped in a little early then. When I would Spence agree with was you. was still in trouble, and Lawrence Cole has been involved with some questionable decisions in the past, and I'm not saying there were any improprieties on his part in this fight at all. I'm not saying that at all, but him, him being from Texas, Spence being from Texas, you know— it's natural for some people to think that maybe he was looking to, you know, save Spence in a sense, even though I'm not not going in that direction personally.
2: But he did save Spence because Spence, obviously he had his bell rung and he was stuck. He was stumbling. We all saw that. And um, he saved him and he gave him a chance to get back in the fight. And he was winning the fight at that time because the first round was a defensive fight. And then Spence, started taking over from that point and uh the referee saved him because he would have he might have got knocked out jack jack let me ask you a question i i remember watching older fights
1: and when the the eyes swelled like that the corner used to cut the eye open Mm -hmm. and release release that you're thinking the
3: rocky movie with mickey and rocky balboa mac (laughs) I, 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 i i I'm I mean, they met yeah long ago in I, the past. I, I, I'm, I'm
1: thinking, good. Jack. I'm thinking, Corey. I, that's how. That's. I think I remember them doing that because he used to he used to swell and cut so easily. That's the thing that really really stopped Corey in a lot of fights. But I I can remember them cut. Do they? They don't do that anymore, do
3: they? No, they have the end swell a, a, a thing like a little eye, and they press it directly on the eye. You know what? It was kind of bizarre yesterday. The ringside physician comes in the ring between rounds. He wants to look at Ogas's eye, but the cut man is holding your end swell, pressing it on the eye. How can you yeah. look at the eye? The doctor's trying to get a peek in behind it, and it's weird. What's he supposed to say? Take the end swell off. And boxing, you don't have much of a chance of a reprieve. It's not like a timeout. It's not like football, and I'm not saying one's tougher than the other. You know, football's tough in some regards, boxing in the other regards. But in football, if a guy gets a bad hit, you know, the medics could come on the field. They could take an extra half minute or whatever to check him out, for him to get on his feet. In boxing, you got to respond quickly or it's all over. Yeah, And that's why even fans get restless between rounds if a doctor's checking the fighter for an extra long time. I <laughs> know, I know. It's, I know. it's, it's crazy. Yeah, sometimes one fighter, it's unfair to the guy who has the advantage. He has his opponent in trouble. And then yeah. the doctor wants to check the guy extra carefully. And it kind of it takes away yeah, but that's, the one opportunity.
2: That's a safety protocol because his eye, it started yeah. swelling, And I mean, he was... He, couldn't, he tried to see out of the eye, and he told him he could see, but he couldn't see.
1: I was, was I was waiting. I tell you guys, I was waiting for the razor blade to be taken out. It never happened. So it
3: was kind of. <laughs> Give Ugas credit for Hart. When they stopped the fight, you saw the doctor in the 10th round finally tell him, look, no more. And Ugas race towards Spence, it's as if he tried to convince the doctor and ref he could continue. He didn't yeah. want The plug pulled on him, even though it seemed like a hopeless job. You know, he had the heart of a champion. I agree. A little bit of belief that maybe he could still turn it around. He could have checked that with Arnold. You know, a lot of times fighters want their corner, the referee, and their doctor to stop the fight, and they want to they want to get out with their dignity because the worst thing for fighters to say, "I don't want to continue." No fighter wants to say, "I want to quit." They well, want Jack, someone you, to make the decision for them, so this well, way they could say they wanted to continue, and oftentimes it's not done for them. But well, Jack, case, I,
1: Jack, Jack, I, I, Jack. Before we move on to Keith, one one thing I I remember, I think as you do, where the fighter, one case, the fighter wanted to stop, and the corner and made him go out again. I think I, I I'm not sure what fight that was, but that was that was the weirdest thing I ever saw. Backstage right now, folks, we got Keith Angle the TGI sports talk host who does a great job on his show. Uh, he does three times a week comes in for us on Thursday, on Fridays and Sundays and will be the guest host on our draft special coming up 28th, April. So let's bring up Keith, see how he's doing today. How are you doing today, Keith?
4: Good morning, gentlemen. Easter. Good morning, Keith. Hey, you Easter. have so
3: much clout that I could be talking in mid-sentence, and as soon as Max sees you checked into the studio, he cuts me off for you. He,
1: he's in, t- Keith, don't worry. I put him in timeout already. He will continue to be in timeout um, as, as he wants to dominate the show when we have guests on. I know how Jack goes. He's like, like I said, sometimes I think I'm the rooster, and Jack's like 10 hens and I got to keep him in. You know, Keith, well, he's not, so. he is the highest paid guy on the show, so he ought That's to. Get true, to I, that wasn't supposed to get out, Keith. All right, got oh. we, we <laughs> it out of the bag. So, anyway, Keith, let's. We we of course we were talking about the Ugas Spence fight. Northeast Streaming Sports had a huge production. Uh, uh, tons of views. Great job by him and Frank. But with you, I want to get to. Of course, the the areas you covered. We're going to start off with the Yanks. As the Yanks bounced back, five to two against the Orioles last night. Um, you had Hicks went two for three, uh, Stanton went one for four with an with RBI, uh, Rizzo did his thing driving another RBI, Donaldson with the big two-run home run blast um, with two RBIs, the new catcher, we can't leave this out because he's been hitting really well, Lee, Lee Trevino, his cousin Jose, <laughs> he went two for four, uh, Tal- Talon only went four and two-thirds innings. I think he got the win. I, I I think he did. I'm not sure if that's enough to get the win or not. Oh, you got to go five. You got to go that's five. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Uh, two concerns. Uh, Yankees starting pitchers have got to start going deeper into the innings. Uh, everybody talks about spring training. is quick. It is too short. And as I talked to Dr. Paul one day, I said, listen, you should show up to spring training, able to go at least five, six innings, seven innings. You got year round. You're paid. Get that arm loosened up, stretched out. By the time you hit spring training, let them work a little bit on your mechanics. I don't want to hear these excuses. It's just it's the ninth game. I'm tired of that stuff. A lot of pitchers right now are pitching more than four innings, five innings. Key.
4: Well, I will. I'll give him one excuse. Last night they did have like a 40-minute rain delay that uh, hurt him last night. So, but I, your overall. Uh, comments, Mac, are, are dead on, and it's the same problem we've seen with the Yankees the last several years. The pitchers, other than Cole, for the most part, don't go deep enough into games. Cole, up, sorry. Uh, <laughs> you open the door, Keith. Good. <laughs> even he hasn't done it yet this year. But yes, that's been a problem. And again, part of that is the way the Cashman continues to build around this team around guys who are injury risks and whatnot, and they're either being you know, cautious with them, or, or they just don't have the ability to go deeper into games anymore. So, I think I, I like Tallian's game, and, and and I hope that he uh, can get you know to where he's throwing at least six or seven innings a game, or this bullpen will be burned out by midsummer again. I agree, hundred percent
1: agree. I, I I just don't get it when when uh, you know and and us as Yankee fans, we want to give him the benefit of the doubt. We want to give him excuses, except for me. Who, you know, we say, oh, it's early in spring training. You know, he's got to you know, stretch out his arm. He's had all year to stretch out his, his, his arm, as far as I'm concerned. And if you're not ready to pitch on opening day to go seven, eight innings, then for, to me, I'd be fighting that son of a
4: gun. That's just me. You know, I am Keith. So, good. He did pitch pretty well while he was in there. So, yes, yes, he yeah, did. But it was the Orioles. So, we have to, yeah, exactly. Nope. With
2: yeah. all I was going to say is no one's taking the league and. Everybody's five and four four and four. There's nobody's really taking that division and no, no. running away with it.
4: Yeah, I think there's two or three teams at five and four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah.
3: Mac made a statement yesterday that was really revealing, really logical. Uh, they talk about pitches building up their arms in spring training. And Mac said, Don't these guys throw in the offseason? Their arms should be built up throughout the year. You're living in the day and age of modern athletes, it should be in shape all year round. So these
4: guys come to spring training. What are they completely out of shape? Well, no, I, I think it's again, it's about how they're 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 taught and they're trained throughout their career, right? You go back to again, I hate to do this, I do it all the time, I know, but I go back to the 70s and before that, when guys had off-season jobs because they weren't making any money. They'd still come out and be ready to throw nine innings on opening day. So, you know, it's just a change in in the overall attitude and, and the way organizations approach these and protect these pitchers, where I think they're not protecting them myself. They don't build their arms up enough, and that causes more injuries, to not less. That's, yeah, just- you know,
1: that's a great point. It's a great point. You know, maybe they ought to make them work on the farm in the offseason or something. Maybe that yeah. should be in their
4: contract or something. Look at what Nolan Ryan – whatever Nolan Ryan did is what everybody ought to be doing, you know. And he I, didn't I, try to change this. When he was running the Rangers – and now it's a while ago now – but he was trying to change this dynamic and actually having pitchers, you know, do something and actually pitch a lot during, you know, spring training and and and, and the off season. And he was – his plan was to have his pitchers go – you know, as long as they could go, not take them out because the script says they have to come out after 80 pitches. Oh, I was I was
1: listening to the game, Keith, last night on the radio on my way home. And, oh, you know, you got to protect them. And oh, I'm like, you come on, Walden. Uh, come on.
4: Stop already. stop. Well, being don't, don't get me going on those two, man. Jeez. Right.
1: <laughs> I will. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, my prediction about the new third baseman, right? He's got a little pop in his back. And, and let's not leave out Falefa either. He did go two for four. But I think Keith did, and I saw him make a couple good defensive plays. I know he's been hurt. He's a little bit older. But he's playing third base. He's not playing shortstop. He's not playing second base. He's playing a, a, a position where he's got to be quick, not necessarily athletic, right? He's got to have a good arm. He's got to get to the ball quick.
3: 36-year-old Josh Donaldson. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah. But he's been injured. So I understood I understood the concern when they went and got him. Yeah. But before that, he was unbelievable as an infielder. He's got some pop in his bat, he's got edge. He's got edge. That's what I love about it. him and Rizzo have got something that the Yankees haven't had in years. And that's an attitude, right? Mm-hmm. Enough of this being Derek Cheater and, 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 and taking it and walking around like, eh, nothing bothers me. I don't care if we're winning or losing. I'm finally glad to see that we have a couple players that have edge that are going to bring edge to the team. Keith.
4: Yeah. Well, I agree this te- you know, one thing I will give Donaldson, I wasn't a big fan of the trade, but he can win me over just by playing the way he has hitting some big home runs, making some big plays in the field and playing, whatever, 130 games. You know, I'd be happy, maybe 120. I'd be happy because uh, he doesn't have to play 162 games yeah. with, the, with the depth they have in the infield. I agree. And you're- one thing these te- these Yankee teams have, have lacked in recent years, and I talked about it Friday with Severino, is an energy and 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 that edge that you talk about. And Rizzo, when he came over in midseason last year, you saw a huge difference in the play of that infield, and a crisp, a more crisp crispness to it. And I think Rizzo had a lot to do with that. And and Donaldson is the same kind of player. I don't know. I'm probably too hard on Donaldson because I've had a problem with him since, you know, he had a problem with the Yankees supposedly thrown at him when he was a Blue Jay, like, you know, seven years ago. So I probably don't remember.
3: By the way, Mac, I can't let you stay because Derek Jeter played with a great attitude. they am an, an, an not I'm not Mac,
1: I'm not putting Derek Jeter down. I'm st- just saying that the way Derek Jeter played, and it seemed like most of the team did, with exception of maybe Posada, uh, you know, if they struck out, they struck out. If they if you know they won, they were supposed to win. There was the, the, the only time I saw Derek Jeter get excited was at the end of a World Series game where he made a big, huge play. His attitude, though, was not like the attitude of, say, Mickey Rivers or or Craig Nettles or players like this who came out and they were going to hit you in the mouth. They ain't scared to mix it up. They they had pictures that would throw at you if you threw at them. And I And this is the type of thing that the Yankees have got to get if they're going to win that division, because they're playing probably the toughest division in all baseball, I would say competitively. Uh, With the Red Sox, the Jays, and the Rays, Uh, you got to have some kind of edge if you're going to beat these guys because they certainly have edge. There's no doubt. So you want to get in more brawls? What you're saying? Yes, yes, I would, I would, (laughs) I would, I would have a game plan (laughs)
2: before went the game. At least least
4: most baseball brawls, uh, Jim, I wouldn't have to worry about being on the bottom of the pile. That's true. That's That's true. true. Good good point.
2: But you'd have to worry about getting hit across the middle. Yes, yes, across the middle of your head. Send
3: Dan Campbell at the Lions your resume, Mac. He might have a coach. There. You know, have yeah,
2: this type of guy,
3: the kneecap. Uh-huh.
1: I, I don't know if I'd bite somebody's kneecap. I might kick him there, but I don't know if I'd bite him. Uh, you, let's get into the Nets-Celtics breakdown real quick with you. I know, you know, you're from this area. You're a Knicks fan, as as a lot of people are from this area. But I know yeah. you follow the Celtics. I know you follow the Nets. It's going to be a really interesting game, right? you got... Two offensive dynamos on the Nets going against maybe one of the best defensive NBA teams in the country, uh, the Celtics, who have a couple good scorers too. The Celtics have an edge on them; they're they're picked to win this series. How do you see this playing out? This first game coming up today. Do you think the Celtics get, gotta have to get game one,
4: or does it really matter? I think game one's important to set this tone in this series because, uh, and, and I think I'll go far to say this. I think the team that wins today will win this series and it, I think the Nets. And I did pick the Nets to win this series on Friday when we talked about it. And for only one reason, if Kevin Durant is healthy and Kevin Durant, when he's healthy, he's still the best player in basketball in my mind. He almost single-handedly took them to the finals last year. He was a toe on the line away from beating the Bucs basically by himself.
0: Mm. And,
4: um you know, again, can he do that again this year? I don't know. He's a year older. He still has injury issues. Um, if he's Kevin Durant through this this entire series, I think that gives the Nets that little bit of edge. Um, they don't go as deep as, as the Celtics for sure. Um, I I would even give the Celtics a coaching edge, I guess, in this series, you know, even though they got a rookie head coach. Um, so I think it'll be a very close series. And I think this game one is an important to set the tone in this series.
1: Well, you, you know, the old saying, go ahead, sorry, Jim. go ahead.
4: Well, I said that's
2: interesting because Nash um uh, everybody thought that we we're gonna bury the Nets. And I'm not saying you're not right, but um they thought that and he's got him at least playing at a at a level they could possibly win it. And you're right, Durant is a different guy. He's unique to be that size, and he's really plays like a guard. No, easily one of the best. Yeah, I think
4: he can play all five positions on the floor. He's he is that kind yeah. of player. Yep. You
3: know? Can I ask you guys this question? Has there been any other athlete in history who's come back from an Achilles tendon injury the way Durant has? I can't think of another who's come back and basically been exactly the same as before. That's
0: a great,
2: That's a great point. Yeah, That's a, a good question. A, I'd have to think about a, it. it but yeah. it's, it's, I know that um, I had a player, Greg Ellis. He wasn't, in, obviously, in, in football. He came back from an Achilles area. Injury and became a um, he made the Pro Bowl.
4: Yeah, so Dan Marino, very unique. Dan Marino comes to mind too because his game didn't involve really moving around a whole lot. So Dan, yeah, but he you know he was older when he did it, so he probably wasn't a player he was younger anyway. So
1: mm-hmm. no, 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 I don't think so either. Keith, I, Keith, I uh, you know I disagree with you. Who's going to win that series?
4: I think it's going to be a great series, but
1: um, anything could happen. I just yeah. say foul Durant hard every chance you get. Could put a good couple, on. put a good couple goons on him, and don't matter if they get kicked
2: out or not. Uh, I, I would, I would hassle him constantly. Yeah, that but that means. doesn't work for whatever reason. It does not work against Durant. It doesn't bother him. It actually gets him fired up. I mean, well, he's okay. a unique player. Yeah, I'm not he, is. Sure. he is. He is. I yeah, agree and, with that. Uh, everybody's tried that, and nobody's been successful for it uh, with it.
4: He just finds a way to beat you.
2: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what but happens. All that-
4: with all that said, I will give him my East prediction. I think that, or the, my prediction, the Bucks will repeat is my prediction for this year. I like the Bucks a lot, and they're starting to get it together. I think. I think uh, my predict,
2: prediction is is that the Bucks will repeat in the East, but Phoenix has gotten better.
4: Yeah, that'll be a great series if they match up again. Yeah. That was a great series last year. was a lot of fun, yeah.
1: and a lot of people aren't, aren't aren't talking about Drummond either. Drummond's a big presence yes. on the for the for the Bucks. I mean, for the for the uh, for the yeah. Nets, so we'll see what happens with there. Real quick, Keith, uh, I did watch a, uh, a show with uh, with your. Uh, I'm trying to scout. Let me make, let me get this right. Matt Grow, right? That's his name. That's how you pronounce it. Grow. Yeah, he yep. did a nice he did a nice little piece about working with Belichick as he started out as a scouting assistant all the way up to number one, two, number two in the uh, front office. Um, a lot of people talk about how hard it is to work with Belichick, how he's, you know, demanding. That, but, but you know, Matt, Matt talked very lovingly and glowingly about working uh, with Bill Belichick.
4: Yeah, look at it. I think like anybody else, whether you, just because you're demanding doesn't mean you're a bad guy or a hard guy to work for. I've worked for demanding people, and and as long as they're fair and all they want to do is succeed, and you're all on the same page, then you'll get along with them, right? Tom Brady's uh, uh, relationship with Bill Belichick didn't go sour, you know, 20 years ago. It went sour near the end, you know, and and mostly not because of Bill's being so demanding, but because Bill really wanted to move on from Tom and Tom wasn't ready to go. So, you know, I I think Belichick gets a bad rap a lot of times um, just because of the way we see him in press conferences and whatnot. Yes, he's a demanding guy, and that's why he's won six Super Bowls in, in 20 years, so. And I think Matt Matt Groh was very uh, open and, and honest in his uh, answers.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was it was a pretty it was a pretty cool thing when you watch people actually know uh, the person that we see on you know on on media, and a lot of them are so different uh, when it comes to being personal and in the locker room and stuff like that. So uh, interesting, interesting interview or press conference with that. So Keith, now remember next week, Keith. You're gonna have to give us your pick, why the Patriots are going that way, and then me, Jim, and Jack will gang up and tell you how wrong you are. But we will write this down, for usual, (laughs) are you? (laughs) Oh come on! Uh, We will write down your pick and our picks for the Pats for their uh, for their first draft pick, and we'll see who comes out right. So uh, put a little.
4: We'll see if it changes in the next seven days. Yeah, it might. It might. And and don't
1: worry about who falls to who. We're not going to count that because you, there's no way you can predict all that. No, right? we, don't, we don't know. Just who, who you think it would
4: be. Can so, I just – and we'll then do talk about something else? Or <laughs> what, what, <laughs> can I just trade and pick and we'll talk about something else for 20 well, minutes? Well, you got to
1: tell us who's they're trading for and why. So, I mean, oh, i harder. I guess will
4: just make a pick. Yes,
1: <laughs> yes, yes. So, folks, Keith Angle, TGI Sports Talk. Catch him at his site on Northeast Streaming Sports, on uh, the Facebook page, YouTube, uh, and also on our new Roku TV channel. Great show, great guest, great great talk. Keith, thanks for coming in. We'll see you Friday.
4: Great to be here, as always, guys. Have a great day. All right, have a great day, Keith. Bye. care, Keith.
3: You know, Mac, you're giving us a harder homework assignment than thought because of the intangibles. Players drafted sometimes have to fit a coach's personality. Some coaches are easygoing. They'll go with just about any guy. And some head coaches, I'm sure you'll agree, Jim, have a preconceived notion. I don't want this guy. I just don't like him for whatever reason. Maybe because he's a little too flamboyant for them. And then there's the coach-GM relationship. Is the GM going to respect a coach so much? Like with the Jets. Joe Douglas, is he going to give in to Robert Salah? Because Robert is a defensive guy at heart. So he's probably going to lean towards the defensive players. So it's kind of that little tug of war, relationships from within. So it's really a tough thing to figure out with the teams. You know, we, we do our best, but it's so many little intangibles involved.
2: There you go. Jack says yeah, it. I, yeah, I, but. Um... You also have a, a scouting department, and that's all they do all year is the preparation for the draft. And you have to trust your uh, scouting department—the real good teams. I would Usually.
1: imagine. I would imagine, Jim. I know you were a coach and a player. You were involved in and in scouting too. This you you give updates to the to the head coach and 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 GM all the time. Yes, I mean, you're, yes. You're bringing in film. You're talking about interviews. You you know all that stuff. What you saw. That's constant. I did a little bit of. A, 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 I was supposed to do a little bit of that too. And I, that's where I drew the line because I didn't have enough time. Um, backstage right now, folks. We got one of my favorite guests been with us forever. You will also be a guest host on the April 28th draft show. Let's bring in sports scope host Robert Butler.
5: Hey, good morning, guys.
1: Good morning, Robert. Yeah, how you doing, Robert? It was a long night for me, Jack, and Jim, as we were up uh doing the live. Uh, watch along uh with the Uga Spence fight and uh you know it's all past midnight and and uh so we know what you do as far as all those vibers you
5: put in Robert today anyway. So uh Woo. I'm exhausted yeah. guys. I know uh, I'm being held up by stilts today. <laughs> and, and, I have no idea. And all you right.
1: know Jim you know Jim Robert goes to church directly after this show so he can clean. I know. His, so he's got to clean his soul after visiting with Jack. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs>
5: It, yeah, well, if I can make, I'm going have a it. jog after this show. Yeah, see,
1: yeah. that's Jack. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. anyway, yeah. folks, let's get to some of the topics that me and Robert are going to talk about, and we're yeah. going to start off uh, with something I've been talking about all week, and me and Jack have kind of been debating, and that's the Brady Dolphin situation, right? I, I, when it broke, uh, I was, I was, I was lucky enough to be the first show coming on about it. And everything started making sense to me about Flores, about Brady retiring and unretiring. And and it just it, it just was tampering from two years ago to me. All this yeah. stuff was played out. Uh, they knew what they wanted to do. I Flores got a hint of it when they said yeah, they want him to meet with Brady, and he wanted no part of it two years ago. And and then also with the Saints coach taking a break from football. Now everything starts fitting together. I know there's been more information coming out. And Robert, I want you to give us your opinion on what's going on over there.
5: Well, it's so stupid. It sounds like a Stephen Ross idea, okay? He's always trying to grab the headlines. Uh I remember one year they they gave Adama Conce a just a boatload of cash. They have so many minority owners That are celebrities, Jennifer Lopez, Uh, Fergie. Fergie is a minority owner, the singer from the Black Eyed Peas guys. He's got a history. And Jim, I've heard you guys talk about Washington before, of how bad they're run. I've heard the same things from friends of friends about Miami. I'm talking over the past 10, 15 years. Yes. It was crazy, just insane think about this for a second let's take a trip about 20 years ago john gruden uh was the coach of the raiders tampa bay had to give up two first round picks two second round picks and eight million dollars in cash you mentioned sean payton uh you know the owner the ownership miss benson she's going to uh put that with the with general manager and he's going to say oh really Okay, that's too much of a coincidence. You're going to have to give us about four or five first-round picks because he's still got three years left on his contract, not to mention Tom Brady will still got a year on his contract. So if Tom Brady should be counting his blessings, that Brian Flores uh, did file that suit, okay? So if the league's going to get together. They're going to say, okay, we're going to put all this together. Yeah, you 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 guys want Tom Brady and Sean Payton? Give us about seven uh, first-round picks, uh, about four second-round picks, and give us $10 million, and then we're going to uh, have you investigated for collusion with the NFL, not to mention. But I believe it. That sounds like an idiotic stick. And then on top of all that, guys, what's Tom Brady going to do? I read Mike uh, Florio. He's a lawyer. And he says that it would be perfectly legal for him to own part of the team and play. So what's he going to do? Play for one or two years? You don't have no quarterback. You have no draft capital. Mm-hmm. It's It sounds dumb enough that this one of his, you know, it's like he got – Stephen Ross got hammered one night. He said, you know what? Let's go after Sean Payton and Tom Brady and then – the staff said, sir, you we're sobered up. Do you still want to do this? Yeah, I think I want to do it. But he's yeah. a billionaire. I'm not. So maybe maybe it is fun to do crazy stuff. But that's my opinion.
2: Yeah. <laughs> wow. You know, you know I do, go ahead. Go ahead, Jim. No, all I was going to say is a lot of those billionaires, what they want, they get. You see the <laughs> things that happening, obviously in Washington, even in Carolina, and even <laughs> with Towers, whatever they want, they get because they're used to getting whatever they want. You know,
3: back in the day, it was simpler. People forget how Don Shula became coach of the Miami Dolphins in the first place. He was the head coach of the Baltimore Colts and under the contract. And he just went over to Joe Robbie and the Miami Dolphins and became their head coach. And Carol Rosenblum, the owner, was going to sue, you know, Shuler in the NFL. And Pete Rosell asked him to drop it. And he gave him a number one draft choice, one draft choice and number one. And that ended the whole matter. So that
5: even happened back in the day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's just a lot, a lot of different different money. That's different Stephen Ross' idea.
5: That's, let's throw something cra- – the craziest thing we can do, let's throw it against the wall and see if it sticks. We'll make the headlines no matter what.
3: <laughs> but do you guys believe Brian Flores really knew there was a meeting with Tom Brady and he turned it down because of yeah. ethics? My thing is, if you're a head coach in the NFL, and, Jim, you know the way these guys are. If you have a chance to have Tom Brady as your quarterback instead of a struggling tour who Flores wasn't crazy about, these head coaches are normally going to jump at the chance. They're going to figure, oh, this is the owner's doing. All I am is the coach. He's put on my team. I play him. I'm better off.
2: Yeah, but here's the thing you got to think about, too. Flores and Brady were also in New England together. Yeah. And maybe there was some dynamics there that didn't – mesh for whatever reason and maybe he knew some things about how brady was at this point in his career and he didn't want to deal with that yes that's a great point
1: great point
2: point. and, and, and i right.
5: think both things can be true about Flores. i've also read that him and chris greer butted heads uh yeah, I heard that with too. personnel decisions uh you know, you know, Flores went to, like, what, three offensive coordinators? Yeah. I mean, he was going through them like nobody's business. So, I think all of this can be true. Steven Ross likes to do crazy stuff, and maybe Flores, it, it, it may be difficult to work with. Still a good coach, but he may be difficult to work with. That's
1: true. Well, you know, there's a, there's a lot of head coaches that have been difficult to work with throughout history. Yep. As long as they've won, they've put up with it. I think being a young head coach – and him knowing that them talking to Brady it would be a uh, a violation just him being involved there may get him you know a fine at the least or maybe sanctioned I don't know I just think he in my opinion anyway if it was me I don't care who the who the person I'm meeting if this is going to affect my uh profession in any way I want no part of it I don't want any part of that and and and, and there's a lot of things that that I think that that stem from this, right? I I think that Sean Payton is 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 a false person. I think Tom Brady is a false person, and I think that I I know it's it's a business as everybody tells me, but where is where is your personal in, in, you know dignity? Where is your where is integrity. your integrity? Yeah, yeah. Where is yeah. that? You just put it in your back pocket because you become a professional athlete. I don't think that's right either. So anyway. Uh, very interesting. I know we're going to get more information and I'll tell you right now, uh, between this and the, and, and the Washington football team, the NFL, the Congress is going to get all over them and books are going to be open and, and the way they do things are going to be open and it's terrible for the NFL. That's coming after this, guys. Mark, my words. Mark my words on that. Right, um, two
5: teams may be for sale.
1: Yeah, there might be three.
5: You know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, we'll put Denver, our money
5: together, guys, and we'll, we'll buy the Dolphins.
1: Well, I don't even know if I want to buy that team. <laughs> well, you Jim, know, maybe you the – You
5: take the majority to share.
1: <laughs> maybe the Denver owners are getting out for another reason we haven't thought about yet. You know, you, you never yeah. know. That's yeah, um, a possibility. Yes. Let's talk about some Dallas Cowboy news. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Tragic Kelvin Joseph, uh, you know, being around yeah. uh, somebody who killed somebody, being part of a fight before that. He goes, talks to the Dallas police Two arrest warrants were issued. And what it looks like is that he, the Dallas encouraged him uh, to go down there, speak with the police, get it going, get this thing over with. Of course it's far from over with because if you're there and you don't try to stop it or call the police, I think you can get in quite a bit of trouble yes, too. So correct. I'm not sure, what <clears throat> gonna happen, but it's a lot better than just sitting back and, and making the police work because it's going to be worse. So, The Cowboys tell him, go talk to him. There's two arrest warrants issued. What do you think, Robert? uh, First about, you know, Kelvin being in that position as a lot of, uh, I shouldn't say a lot, but a few young players do end up doing it. People complaining there's no mentoring. There is, there are programs they are talked to. But Jack came up with the idea. Maybe, just maybe they should just hire a few of them, three or four of them to be around these young kids all the time. And maybe that would save him a lot of trouble. What do you think, Robert? Uh
5: Jerry would definitely do that. You know, he used to have security watch over, uh, Jim, um, uh, Pac-Man.
2: Well, I have, oh, uh, why were you saying me?
5: Know,
2: could handle himself
3: oh. okay.
2: Ironically, I saw him last night, Larry Wansley, and that is his job is to watch after over the players. Yeah. And un- unfortunately – it wasn't handled uh, with Joseph. Joseph should have immediately went to him and let him know the situation because this thing happened March 18th.
5: Yeah. Mm. It, it, it's and, and according to ESPN. He was a passenger, guys, uh, in the car where the shots came from. So, I mean, te- technically that would make you an accessory. Exactly. Uh, you know something – I'll be honest with you. I used to hound these players. And now that I've for doing this stuff, now that I've gotten older, I mean you're a single guy. You got plenty of money. You want to have a good time. You want to still hang out with your old friends because the new friends, they're not really, you're not really sure if they're your new friends, but your old friends, you know, from way back, you want to have a good time. You want to meet women, ladies, okay. You know, and one thing leads to another. You're, you're, we're with alcohol, egos and alcohol don't mix. And, yeah. and, and after so nothing good happens after, I what? can't remember what coach said, nothing good happens after midnight. And what Before you know it, and then you're caught up in a major, major situation. It hasn't sunk in with these guys at this age. And I could see it happening myself if I had that kind of money um, at, at 21, 22, 23 years old. Fast cars, fast women lead to trouble. <laughs> yeah, fast life. Well, right. A lot of
3: times a player, a young man gets in a situation. He's with his friends. One of them does something. It could be in the spur of the moment. He can bump into someone else. Someone could say something to his friend. And one thing quickly leads to the other. And he, now he's in a spot. He doesn't want to, the term is drop a dime on his friends. He doesn't want to get them in trouble. And the thing happens out of his control, and you know. And if you go to the police about it, you know now there's a problem. You worry about your own safety because you've turned on, you know, people you know whether they're going to try to get back at you, and you don't want to sell them out. And it's it's yeah. ugly. It's bad. It's just a messed up situation. My theory was uh, I mentioned this with Mac yesterday, uh, Jim and Rob. The best thing a player can do. If a team signs you stay in the darn city all year, don't go back home like Jim was a Buffalo Bill. Stay in Buffalo year round. Don't go back home. Concentrate <laughs> on your dawn job. Make that your residence as <laughs> you're playing there. Live in Don Buffalo for you know all those years. Uh-huh, so,
2: no, Jack. No. No, no you're
3: going. That's why, Jim, you could have gotten in trouble. You're lucky you didn't. By going back
2: home, Jack, well, I, out,
3: Jim, but not the rest of them did.
2: Yeah, I'm from New Jersey, Jim.
1: Jim oh, okay, well, wow. <laughs> Jim wasn't a rookie either. And you know the yeah, most impressive thing—the most impressive thing Jack said in that whole bit he just did was "drop a dime." I haven't heard that since <laughs> I watched 1930 movies.
2: That was incredible. But, um, but, but here's the thing that people are not talking about: these this is really tragic because they initiated it uh Joseph and his friends initiated the fight and then to go there and to shoot randomly and kill somebody that's tragic that kid was only 22 years old yeah and you are an accessory to it because this didn't this happened March 18th and now you're coming because now the police want to question you this should have been done months uh in March. After this happen this incident happened, you were trying to hope that nobody knew, but obviously Cam Cam's are gonna be there. And I'm not saying that just like you guys, if you're young, you're gonna go out. That's not it. But you gotta know who you're around, yeah, and what situation you're in. Well,
1: always. you know, you know, Jim, you know, Jim and Robert, I know when you guys uh not Robert as far as this part goes, but I know when rookies come into camp. You know, they're nervous, they were the big star, now they're not anymore, right? You're you're trying to make a team now. I don't care how great you think you are or they think you are, you still gotta make the team, and you got these vets looking at you like you're not taking my job, and you've watched these guys on TV. Some of them are the best of the best, and you're nervous, and you you are uncomfortable, and you're gonna reach out to somebody. And that's why the, there's got to be veterans in that locker room that even though you're competing against them have got to be assigned as team leaders or as Jack mentions to hire somebody to spend all they can, the time they can. Even it means rooming with them where they're there all the time and let them talk and let them get all this stuff off their chest. Because if you don't, if the, if the team captains don't and they don't have mentors in there that can, they're going to reach out back home to their friends. That's guaranteed. I would do the same thing. So this is what the teams have got to do. They've got to get yeah. people in that locker room all
2: over these young kids. Well, have here's the home. issue. Go ahead. Here's Steve. the issue you have, and Robert is, probably knows this. Joseph had problems at LSU. That's why he went he to Kentucky.
5: He transferred to Kentucky, yeah.
2: Yeah, he had issues. Yeah. He was suspended at LSU. I mean, he is a Baton Rouge kid too. And yeah. as we all know, that there are some rough areas in Baton Rouge. Uh, a couple years ago, running back to play for, of all teams, Washington. The, uh, yeah. He had situations in college at LSU. He was a Baton Rouge kid, too. I'm not saying every kid from Baton yeah. Rouge is bad, but there's some issues when you go home. And you know, and you got to be smart enough to know that sometimes you have to step away from situations and step away there's from there's people. And no that's just intense. intense.
3: But, Jim, it's not – guys, it's not just rookies. It's established established stars. Look at Alvin Kamara. He's in Las Vegas with his friends. And there's a yep. good chance he picked up the tap for this all is, of them. Yep. And there's an incident just passing by on the elevator and someone gets badly hurt. Yeah. he supposedly somehow winds up in the middle of it. Maybe he, he wants to show his friends, I'm not backing off. I'm with you. Whatever the reason – and now we don't hear anything about that. But the NFL
5: is going to have to deal with it.
2: Yes, you're right. I Guys, do agree. one
5: more story. Real quick, Back, uh, I'm not going to hold. Uh, 1999 Super Bowl, the Titans were in it. It was a oh, god-awful ending. But uh, Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis was involved oh, yes. in a double murder. If you think about this guy. He, this is his word. This ain't mine. He said he had a come-to-Jesus moment because that next year he goes on to win Defensive Player of the Year, Super Bowl MVP, and he was one inch away, one inch away from his whole. We would have never seen Ray Lewis, the Hall of Famer, uh, the great uh, mentor that he became after this. You know, things can change really quick. You do have to watch the company you keep, and 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 I would I would add in, you want to get someone that the player can communicate with that's not too much older. And not and not too much of a buddy. I understand that, but someone that the player's comfortable with, and and I would go behind and get talk to the player by himself. and Say, are you comfortable with this person? Nobody's going to. Uh, this is you don't have to be, uh, uh, you know. Nobody's going to get fired or anything. But are you comfortable working with this person? We'll find you someone else. We need to keep you guys uh, kind of learn this lifestyle at least the first few years. Uh, he's only been in the year uh, league a few years.
2: Joseph.
1: Yeah,
5: this yeah. is uh, second year. This second, the second year, yeah.
1: yeah. So let's let's turn real yeah. quick to the NBA. Um, yeah, you know we 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 had a, a, at least two games already. Um, I really like the Grizzlies and I really like the Timberwolves, Robert. I think the Grizzlies will end up winning the C- series, and as I said before, I wouldn't be surprised if the Timberwolves beat them. I don't know if you got a chance to watch that game or at least get the highlights, but it seemed to me that the Timberwolves just wanted it more than the Grizzlies last night. Your thoughts on that and your thoughts on the, on the other games,
5: played. Well, uh, Patrick Beverly. I mean, I know he's gotten in trouble for his cursing. He had an issue with Chris Paul last year. That didn't look good. Uh, but he he is that veteran guy that, that wakes the team up and 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 gets them to play at a higher level, even though he's not really that talented guy. Uh, he, he is that spark plug for that team. Kind of reminds me of John Starks a little bit, guys. Kind of reminds me of uh, uh, a poor man's Gary Payton. Not quite as talented as Gary Payton, but just plays that great defense. And as far as Memphis, that was why I was really concerned about the youth of Memphis. And they had six days off. Maybe they were rusty uh, between games. They gave up 130 points, though. Uh, this is going to be a good series and it can go either way. You're right. And I wouldn't be surprised if they just flat out beat Memphis. It's not unheard of. I wouldn't
1: either. Uh, A a defensive back got signed by another team in your division, Stephen Gilmore. Yeah. Uh, A lot of people want him. What does this do for the Colts defense overall? I mean, they had a pretty good defense last year, Robert. Does this make them that much better or, or does this keep you know, it equal out there for any of the losses the Colts have have. Uh, have you know suffered. what? I
5: looked at his age. Guys, you ain't going to believe me what I was going to say. He's 31 years old. I thought he was older than that, Jim. Mm-hmm. He's 31. Uh, they made a trade for Nagehu, uh with the Raiders. They got Matt Ryan. I'm really considering potentially picking them to win this division this year. Uh, I have to look at the draft. i got to look at the schedule and the makeup. But I think that's going to be a big deal. They already had a good defense. Yeah,
2: but Robert, didn't he have a uh, significant injury? even at being
5: uh, Yeah, he. I think he only played like three games last year. Uh, but I don't think it's like an Achilles or anything.
2: I think he tore his hamstring, didn't
5: he? Hand, yeah. I but thought
2: that's what it was. I, I
5: think he was just holding out for money. Okay. Uh, 31 years old, still pretty young. I thought he was 34. Actually, guys.
3: So he was a casualty in the cap at New England because Belichick doesn't pay individual players too much money and his contract was up. If it wasn't a contract situation, there's a good chance he'd still be a New England Patriot. Yeah. So he signs with Carolina free agent. Now he's with the Colts and uh you know, he might have a lot left in the tank. Well, I mean we don't you know, we'll see. But yeah, uh, I mean it could be a healthy me, Colts.
5: But- He's so, you know he's still pretty top level.
1: Oh, uh, I think so too. So so Robert, let's 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 talk a little bit about uh Doc Rivers, not what he's doing right now, but they actually talked to him about taking the Lakers job. Now I don't know who's interviewing or questioning him about taking the Lakers head coach job. It makes no sense to me. I don't even know why it would be attempted. Uh but Re- Doc Rivers did say there is no way that he would ever be head coach of the Lakers because of what they did to Vogel. And uh, uh, what do you think about that?
5: Well, I mean, Nick Nurse was, name was brought up from Toronto. Uh, what was this guy's name? Uh, Utah's coach. Uh, Quinn, um, Quinn, um, Quinn. Quinn Snyder. Snyder. I think. Yeah. Quinn Snyder. Yeah. Uh, Mark Jackson. I just, why would you? I mean, you got Rob Palenka. He's the general manager. Uh, you got magic johnson working on a trade uh with it's this is kind of this is semi miami dolphins stuff here okay <laughs> you've got all these different moving pieces guys and jenny bus needs to go out hire a real general manager let everybody on the planet know that this person is in charge of hiring the coaches and getting the players let the coaches coach let the players play and let the general managers be the general managers, have that structure. You know, they've only got one playoff win in 11 years uh, other than the, uh, obviously, uh, what was that thing called? Uh, The bubble, the bubble deal. That'd be I mean, they got the championship. That can never be, and, and I'm one that's not like everybody else. A championship is a championship is a championship. And there shouldn't be any asterisks because everybody had to play by the same rules. Mm-hmm. But they might be a mess for to me. I would fire everybody, trade everybody, and say, <laughs> I'll, "I'll give this new general manager about seven years." Because what he's up I have the solution.
3: NBA. Rob, make let LeBron James become the head coach and bring in his X and O guys. And hey, that's pretty good. You know, I totally invested
5: in the team. <laughs> they tried that with Magic Johnson. Coach. Yeah. <laughs> it might. Yeah, it you know, work. that may work. It worked with Jerry West. Yeah, I'm watching the winning time, guys. That's a great series. If you guys get a chance, if you got HBO, yes, I do. I I've heard, fun.
1: I've heard it is, and I definitely will take that out when I get a chance, which will be probably a couple years from now. Robert, one last thing from you before we let you go. Yeah. Um. Of course, big day in Major League Baseball. Yeah. The the Jackie Robinson Day, the first I don't know if the first, but at least the major one that broke the color barrier barrier with the Dodgers. Uh, branch ricky gave him the opportunity he didn't care what anybody thought most of the players had a problem until you know Wee reese came over and started talking to him yeah. on the field i mean a lot of people helped make this happen but still robinson went through a lot of nonsense yeah. he shouldn't have had to go through what do you what do you make of this day uh what are your thoughts on the jackie robinson well that day?
5: you know i actually um me being trying to, I was looking at being a sportscaster at one time, just a play-by-play guy, color guy, and everybody wearing forty-two. I mean, how do you figure out the lineup? I guess you gotta have copies of the positions, right? This person plays first base, the bat order, because everybody wore forty-two. Because I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, actually, that would've been a nightmare if you're, uh, you know, calling the game. But I guess there's another way around it, as far as doing that. Uh, Seventy-five years, you think about it. it, it you know, When you get older, you have more of a sense of time. That is not that long, if you really think about it. It feels like, as far as race relations, everything, somebody who's... I've lived on both coasts. I know, guys, I'm from Tennessee, but I actually lived on both coasts before. I've lived in Florida. I've lived in Denver. I've been to uh, uh, Mexico pretty well-rounded. I just sound like I've been here all my life. Uh, I think we've came a long way. I really do. Contrary to what others may say, For whatever reason, I think we've came a long way. Always room for improvement. Uh, It's a beautiful thing. Uh, You know, I didn't even know it's been going on since 2004. But I think they just started wearing the 42 thing just a few years ago. Am I correct, Jack?
3: Yeah, it was. I mean, it was retired. They love Mariano Rivera to continue to wear that number because that was his number two until he retired. You know, I'm a believer in this, guys. I don't think they should retire numbers. I think a select few should be allowed to wear the number. For example, like Mrs. Jackie Robinson should decide if there's someone who gives so much to the community, she she would give a pass to that player to wear her husband's number to kind of honor it in a certain sense. I kind of like to see numbers live on. But they seem to put all these numbers out to pass. I mean, Jackie Robinson's 42 is extra special, obviously. But uh, I kind of like to see the numbers live on. Not not everyone to wear it, but certain special players who give back.
1: So sort of, sort of, sort of like a trophy or honorary. Uh, yeah, that, is that a bad idea?
3: Is that a bad idea at
1: all? Robert, no, so, you-
5: go ahead, guys. Robert, Some, before we let you before yeah.
1: we let you go, sorry to cut you off, Jim. No, no before we let you go, Sunday, you're gonna be a guest host and the uh NFL draft special we'll be having. Uh this Sunday coming up before the draft show, I want you to give us Tennessee's first pick in the draft and why you think it's gonna be him. We're gonna write it down. We won't make too much fun of you on the draft show if you're totally wrong, but we will be investigating who we think the titans should take in the first round and when then we will make fun of you on Sunday show we won't do it in front of the national
5: so next team. sunday you want to draw you want to draft okay
1: I want yeah I want sounds your, like fun yeah I want your best pick I don't don't think about who's fallen or all the different things scenarios just who you would pick who would be your pick and why and that's all we want from
3: Mac, Mac it's got to be realistic who might might be there for Tennessee. I, Hutchinson is definitely not going to be there. For Penn State. But, but, but so no, you can't. I, yeah, I mean, common sense. Hutchinson,
5: perhaps.
1: Common sense. Common sense. Well, let me write that out. Put a line
5: yeah. through that one. Hutchinson, all right, there, we will
1: to Robert, and we will check and balance <laughs> you when you come on, everybody. Robert Butler from Sports Scope. He's everywhere on social media. Great show. He is all over the headlines and all over the. The, the big news stories, Robert. You have a great Sunday, and we'll see you next Sunday, Robert.
5: All right, guys, have a happy Easter, folks. Happy Easter, yeah. all right, guys. Go yep. get
1: that soul funds, buddy. Love you. So anyway, guys, Robert Butler. Uh, we're gonna take our first break. Another side special treat for you, as always. The Philly sports guy will be coming in, giving us his opinions and his thoughts. And of course, we got a lot to talk about just about what happened last night. That might take the whole segment. So I uh, can't wait to get them on. Pags will be r- up with us right after these messages, folks. So please stick with us. We'll be right back.
0: You work too hard, you eat too much. The cheesecake made you greedy. Like you're aching head and stomach here. This message from Speedy. alka yourself supply. Flop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Flop, flop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Those speedy bubbles relieve your upset stomach and headache fast. For acid, indigestion alone, Alka-Seltzer gold. Oh, what a relief it is. What a relief.
1: No idea why. Do this one, I
3: guess. If you have a side gig and need to file your cash. Tax-
1: I don't need to. I you
0: keep the banana and I'm here to say I am the top banana in the world today. Now you have know the best bananas in the land. So don't slip by with an inferior brand. When is it says cheeky, it's a very good day to buy bananas.
6: This guy'll be ready to dig into something mighty good to eat. How do you handle a hungry man? The man handlers. One of the man handlers is Campbell's Vegetable Beef. Gets a man-sized supper off to a good
0: hot start. Mmm, good. The man handlers.
3: I heard you want to be a Frito Bandido like me. You do? Then you must sing the Bandido song. Let's sing together.
0: You just follow the bouncing Frito's corn chips bag.
3: Ay, yi, 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 I am the Frito Bandido, hey, I like Frito's corn chips, I love them, I do. I want Frito's corn
0: chips, I'll get them from you. Ay, 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 oh, I am the Frito Bandito. Give me Frito's corn chips and I'll be your friend. The Frito Bandido, you must not offend. Now, boys and girls, you are Frito Bandidos too. You sing the Frito Baldito song and you loco for crunchy fritos corn chips.
3: That's nice. Munch, munch, munchy, munchy fritos, corn chips,
0: Even when your thirst is done The most rewarding flavor in this man's world For people who are having fun Schaefer is the one beer to have When you're having more than one Ever wonder what makes Schaefer the one beer to have When you're having more than one? One reason is more than one fermentation Most brewers just ferment their beer once But Schaefer is fermented twice Once to make it beer, and twice to make it Schaefer. The one beer with flavor so fine, it keeps shining through glass after frosty glass. More than one fermentation is one reason,
2: but of course there's more than one reason behind the one beer to have when you're having more than one.
1: This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports.
4: Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. <laughs>
1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac, Jack, and Jim. This weekend sports show as we're here every Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Jack Hirsch, and Jim Jeffcoat. And uh, besides playing with this board and, uh, you know, a little non-rest, maybe maybe I'm just getting aggravated early, uh, earlier than I normally do. I normally don't start getting aggravated, guys, about 6 o'clock at night. Uh, when I'm at my other job and everybody wants to stay away from me. so. Uh, no, it wasn't
3: fair last night, Mac. You were working the board. You were doing all the work behind the scenes. I was doing my thing. I was somewhat relaxed. Jim was in the club room. I mean, uh, <laughs> Jim was like a bar in the club room, so he was, like, socializing, I think, having a good time. Yeah, and, I
2: was. I, I, was, I,
3: I, was Jim was, it was, like, fun, you know, kind of fun. We're a little work, but basically fun.
2: It well, was. Still
1: fun, a, yeah. It's still a busy day, right? I mean, I know you, you went right. somewhere before, because but, I um,
2: I had to go to the event before the um, uh, boxing match. So I went to that event and then I went to the boxing match. So but I did have well, fun
1: backstage right now. We got a guy that we great to go to a boxing match with. I don't know if he would dress up in some kind of boxing uniform and start punching people with his gloves or whatever he would do there, but he would be an excellent guy to go to a, a boxing match right now. Of course, I'm talking about the Philly guy, Jamie Pags, who's with us every Sunday, giving us a look at the Philadelphia sports and all the things he does uh, on social media. One of the biggest uh, on TikTok with over 100 and something followers, I think he's at right now. But anyway, let's bring up Pags and see what's going on. How you doing, Pads? Good morning, guys. Happy Easter. Hey Pads, I Easter. just
3: thought of something Mac didn't mention and Spencer's last fight. It was against the Philly guy, Danny Garcia. So Philly was in the house boxing wise in a big way at Dallas's stadium.
6: Well, Philly's always in the boxing world. You know, it's like there's a—I would say, yeah, a lot of boxers have to go through Philly at some point. You know, at some point in their life, that they they go to either train there, uh, they're dealing with a trainer from there, or they're actually from here as well. Yeah,
1: so. did you ever think about going to a boxing match, dressing up as, say, Rocky uh, Balboa, and uh, you know, just going there and just you know start start yelling and screaming? I know you'd probably be normal there, bags though.
6: No, no, i never <laughs> thought about that.
0: All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I
6: would know. go to a. I would absolutely go to a boxing match. I, I feel like that. That's you know. I, I, I'm. I'm one of those guys that that remembers the old days really well and and fondly like I was a big fan of wide world of sports where we would watch boxing all the time, you know, so uh, I remember watching the arm wrestling and the boxing matches. And uh, I think it was the Hagler Hearns fight that was like a really big deal where we sat there and like there was a bunch of us that were around the television set just, you know, waiting for that fight to happen and it happened in a stadium. You know, so it was like those are the types of things that I kind of remember fondly. And I feel that boxing, you know, obviously it's, it's you know, boxing is not the way it was back in the day. And it, it's unfortunate because it is a great sport. But, you know, some of the players that were outside kind of making it, um, making some of these big fights, started to worry more about dollar signs than they did about how to grow the sport and i feel like that may have been some of the cause to boxing losing a little bit of its heyday uh from back then but i remember oh, yeah, this like yeah. really well
1: yeah pags we we we've talked about it a lot and i think you know we're going to do a special coming up one of these days when i get enough time to work on it how you fix boxing And i think the biggest thing is there's no ceo no chairman that runs it it's all it's like the wild west out there you got a bunch of you got a bunch of uh, sanctioning bodies. You got a bunch of promoter promoters out there that want to do what they want to do to make the most amount of money, which makes sense. But there's no person in charge here to kind of keep everything in line. And I think it's one of the only sports that's like that. I mean, every other sport that I can think of, uh, real sport that has real competition and dollars behind it, there's somebody in charge or at least a body in charge. And boxing mm-hmm. just doesn't have it. So uh, we're going to do a special on that pretty soon. And I'll get some big boxing minds in and we'll talk about what we can do to make the sport a lot more organized. Some people aren't going to make as much money, but that's too bad. The, the overall sport will bring in more money, which will make it up, I would think, in the end. But anyway, um, let's get I'm to the
2: Pags to be that uh, commissioner. Yes. yes. All right. Let, well, let I'll tell me. you what. I'd
6: probably have the biggest open mind about it because ultimately, I, I feel that boxing is losing out to the MMA fighting and things of that nature, and that I would agree. Uh, yeah, know, unfortunate. It was It is, and it's not. I I, I kind of look at it as it's, it's the evolution of boxing, no, where
1: I, I, I don't think so. I said I think it's a, the 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 uh, the the boxing falling back. Evolution is something that you know that uh, that comes from things and ideas and, 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 and things tried boxing really hasn't done that. I mean, I don't know how you can evolve if there's no plan. So, yeah. I mean, I, I get it. I get, this is what it is now, but you know uh, you know, we didn't evolute by just running around today, still today, running around just trying to kill things and eat it. Right. We, we, you gotta have a plan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, I don't know where that came from. Pags let's get, let's get to Philadelphia. Uh, the 76ers you predicted, that they're gonna they're gonna they're, they're gonna win this series easily. They may get beat one game, maybe by a lot. I predicted that there had to be a third player that had to step up because if you stop Embiid, just one of those guys, I don't think could win it. So Maxi does that, right? He massey comes up, he does his thing. Harris even clipped in some points. And I think that's your I think that's your wild card going forward is that third score. I think he had 38. I think Harris you kicked another 26. Uh Harden didn't score a lot. He scored 22, but he had, I think it was 14 assists or 16 assists, something like that. Embiid was a motor underneath, grabbing a bunch of rebounds. He didn't have a lot of points. So you guys performed as a team against the Raptors team that really is talented. People don't realize how talented the Raptors really are. I think there was was there a injury to last night? I, I didn't I didn't catch the whole thing this morning. On the there Raptors. was an
6: injury. Somebody, uh, one of the guys got a foot injury, uh, right and. I don't know exactly what the extent of it was. I didn't, I didn't hear any report about it day after the facts, but I know that he was on the court for a little while and then needed help getting off of the court. Uh, it looked to me like it was his actual foot. So it could, you know, yeah, you know, when I think of a foot, I think of like a Liz Frank sprain, uh, or, or, a Liz Frank break, even like it, it looked like it was much worse that he couldn't put any weight on it at all walking off the court and things of like that. So, uh, yeah, let's hope he's okay. You know, I mean, I don't want to see anybody get hurt that way. But there were a lot of things that I thought that the Rap- that the Sixers did yesterday that got the Raptors unraveled. It was really interesting to watch that kind of transpire. Uh, obviously, they had, the Raptors had two players foul out of the game. Uh, Van Fleet had two fouls in the first minute of the game. And yeah, you know, it was just, you could tell like it was going to, you know, he, I think he was, he fouled out with, you know, 30 seconds gone in the fourth quarter. Like literally it was his sixth foul. So uh, I, and you could tell that the Raptors were, they couldn't, they didn't have answers. They did not have answers at all. And it was much different than how they've played them previous at least in the regular season and even previous seasons where that things were normally working and t- yesterday was not last night was not working at all and it showed i mean that uh, the sixers really just had that game in hand from beginning to end without any question
1: so you still think that the, the raptors will have that one big game maybe at home where they blow the 76ers out just to not- i i i
6: do and I think and I think it's just going to be it's going to be more of a I think that the Sixers uh, are kind of do a repeat performance <clears throat> excuse me of what they did last night in Game Two. It'll be a little bit closer than a twenty point you know difference. Uh, so I do think it'll be more like you know eight ten points. And then Game Three, I think that the Sixers go up there and kind of take it to the Raptors because they're going to be playing in desperation mode. I think game four, I think the Sixers are just going to be a little bit more lax. You know, it's just I, I think that it's almost like they're going to take the night off. And, you know, you know, that's when Harden gets into his, his, you know, gets the guys out for a little while because they're being up there for a few days. And, you know, they just have that little bit of hangover and then they come back home and take care of business. So I I said, I think it's I think it was a five game series all along. I'd love to see them sweep, you know, and, and Shaq be right. But I just I know how the Sixers team is, and I just know how Harden likes to go out and have some fun. And from what I'm told, Toronto's not a bad spot to have some fun at.
2: Well, I, I know don't you would feel, know that. Don't you feel that uh, the 76ers – this is a huge series for Doc, and this is a huge series for Harden because there's questions about both.
6: Uh, Well, yes. I mean, obviously, I feel that uh, – there's a piece of me that thinks that Harden has been sandbagging the last few weeks, you know, that he's older. And, you know, it's like besides taking the break, he just wasn't playing 100%. And, yeah. you know, and that's because he's got the playoffs coming up. Why, why, why go bust it now? He, he busted it. He showed what he had the first couple of games and then just took his foot off the gas and coasted the rest of the way.
0: Mm-hmm. Is, that, now he's, is
3: that wrong? I mean, realistically, that would be a smart thing to do. Get ready for the playoffs. Because that's all people remember at the end of the day. They're not going to remember the last few weeks, what went on, but they are going to remember these playoffs.
6: I agree. And I feel that he you know, I don't think it was wrong at all. I feel that he did what he was wanted to do and he had a plan and they executed that plan and yesterday started game yesterday started the season. I mean, you we've know, we've played know, this entire season just to get to yesterday where yesterday's game won.
1: Pags, that's a lot of speculation, you're saying there. And I and I don't agree with taking your foot off the gas at all at any time. If you get beat, you get beat. But if that's if that's really your plan, you know, I mean his plan hasn't worked in the playoffs so far. So different teams, but still he has gotten to the to the promised land a couple of times and he hasn't taken his foot off the gas and has laid an egg a couple of times. I don't know if he should be taking his foot off the gas at all. I think he but, should be playing basketball the way basketball is meant to be played. I don't think the Bucks are going to take their, their foot off the gas. I don't think the Celtics are going to take their foot off the gas. I don't think they have at all this year. So, I mean, I, it all sounds great and all that stuff. But come on, man. I mean, you go out you play the game to win. You don't play the game to say, well, I'm taking a rest. I don't believe all that stuff.
2: Yeah, and I, I – agree with you what you're saying but this load management thing all these guys do this load management now, i'm i'm not agreeing with it you go to play to win but that's just the reality of it pax makes a great point on there is is that they're load management they're trying to make it to the playoffs and trying to get in the playoffs and then obviously it's you got to win there and it's do or die now it becomes a little bit more important to win these games and that's just what it is. They all do that load management, no matter how
1: I don't see the Jim, I don't see the Celtics or the Bucks
2: doing any load management at all, I'll tell you. The they truth. do it. Really they do it. You oh. might not recognize it, but they're load managing those guys. And I oh. never agree with that. You play, you play to win, but
6: all of them do it. Yeah, and I also think that, yeah, because of that, the Celtics peaked a little early. You know, I don't I think uh, that, a little early
1: packs. They they continue to win all the way up to the end. Let me tell you something. If if the Celtics and now let's see what
6: happens in the playoffs. Let's see exactly the Celtics, They got a they got a number and a number two just, against the Nets. Let's see how they handle them.
1: Right. And if the Celtics beat the Nets, don't they play? If you guys win, are they are you next in line for? Them? No. No, you're lucky. No. Yeah, lucky. if
6: we if we hold serve, we'd have the Heat.
3: Yeah, uh, maybe you're a little lucky. If the Heat beat the Atlanta Hawks.
2: Right. He's Keep that in good.
3: mind. that's not a gimme. Remember what the Hawks did last year to your Philadelphia 76ers oh,
2: in the playoffs. <laughs> and the Heat do, doesn't have the big center. I'm not Heat. Um, the uh, Hawks don't have the center. He's out.
6: Yeah, Capella's Capella's out. Capella's for out baseball. for a week. So, yeah, and, and I'm yeah. You know, like I said, I, I Atlanta. I don't expect to be really an issue, and that means that the Bucks would wind up playing the Celtics, and we would play the Heat. So, well, well, I mean, go. that's if everybody holds serve. You know, it, you know, obviously, you know, the Hawks winning or the Nets winning would change all of that. So, I guess yeah. we'll see. But truth of the matter is, is that it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. It yeah. matters what happens now from that's this point true. on. You know, so whether you believe that everybody should never take their foot off the gas or, or it doesn't matter, you know, truth of the matter is, is that now's the time to, if you were going to start the engine and, and step on the gas full throttle, now's the time that you have to do it. Yeah, Because Durant, ultimately, it's yes. not going to matter.
3: Kevin Durant said if the Nets don't win the champ, championship this year, their championship window's still open beyond this year for at least a couple of more years. Is it the same way with James Harden? If the Sixers don't win it this year, how wide open is the championship window? Is it just one more year next year with the hardman beat combo? Or is it a bit wider than, than that?
6: Who can really say? You know, that's that's the one thing. That you know, Durant's saying, Oh, yeah, our, our window's still wide open if if we don't win it this year. How does he know? How does he know? You know what I mean? It's like they haven't been able to put it together. He hasn't won a championship with the Nets. So he doesn't know that window hasn't opened yet, as far as I'm concerned. It's the same thing with the Sixers. This window hasn't opened yet. So it we could say all the things, we could make all the speculation saying, Oh, well, we've got a couple more years to be able to make it happen. You know, Dan Marino thought he had an entire career mm-hmm. to be able to win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Never made it back to a game.
2: So the uh, Cowboys I mean,
3: drafted him ahead of Jeff Coat, <laughs> <laughs> he would have
2: uh, had Bowl. Oh me. my goodness. That's why I'm bringing too tall to that thing so he can yes. get you back. <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: Oh, oh <laughs> um
2: Gil Grant told me personally he didn't like Marino. Right. He would have never fit in the offense.
0: I think right. about
6: how how much of a different world the game of football was back then in comparison to the way it is now. Yeah, I mean, it's just—I mean, I've heard I've heard some very interesting stories about Dan Marino. I I think, I think the way the Cowboys were run then, in comparison to the way the Cowboys are run now, that Dan Marino would not have fit in well with that team. Exactly. I think you know the Cowboys back then were very strict, you know where. Now it's now it's more of a joke where it's like you can be a con and and you know you know that's part of Convicts Row over and being a cowboy, Uh it where it's wild. where wow. and, you know and I'm and and like I said and that's I, and that's that's funny thing it's you also just, like through throughout the rest you, but truth of the matter is you know, then they didn't have that. those
3: cowboys they didn't have that hang out with them off the field you know, when
6: I, you I, you when you, I, you I, played for I, Tom Landry I mean you back
1: help surprised.
2: me help me <laughs> I,
1: I listen I mean you know. I, I listen. The Philly, uh, the Philly, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, I uh, they don't have to players don't get in trouble, if fans do. That's why they used to have a judge in court and jail right in the stadium. So, I mean, that's why the players are good over there, Jim. That's the Dallas fans are too nice. That's what it is. They won one you know, Super Bowl. Yeah, they won well, one they've one been two in two and, and they give Dallas fits every year, and there's more recently <laughs> have they won than the Cowboys have. So, I mean, that's I would not go there, and, you true. know. Uh, you see me not bad mouthing and being a Giants fan either, but all I'm saying is that when your fans are that way, uh, Jim, your team doesn't have to be that way. So that's that's what I think <laughs> is going on in Philly. Oh, um,
2: yeah, I can't believe you're just defending them.
6: Oh,
1: uh, <laughs>
0: he
2: took a shot at me.
6: Yeah, I know. I take a think. shot at you. Actually, I, I I thought I talked pretty well about about <laughs> the way you guys played in comparison to now. Now it's just like it don't matter what you guys do if you've been in jail. Ah, you're good enough to play on the Cowboys. Listen,
2: so, <laughs> but it's always been like that. You just didn't know it. Yeah, uh,
6: that could be. That could be. Social media has, has just made it a lot more, you exactly. know, out there. Where, yeah, you know, like I said, I when you think of Tom Landry's teams and you think of just all of the way that they were put together, and, and even you know, there's there's one specific scene in, uh, even in Invincible when you know they're talking about you know obviously Vince Papali, uh, that when they play the Cowboys in that first regular season home game and they sit there and then they, they all get down in the three point stands for the offensive line for like victory formation or something like that, where they just kind of, you know, and and that's the way you think of the Cowboys, you know, like I, that they were just very uh, organized, very meticulous on how they did things and all of that stuff where, the extracurriculars from you know outside of football never made it into either that locker room or onto the field and that's you know and that's what made you know know, john facenda was the one that coined america's team you know and he was from philadelphia so uh, i mean i guess i got to give it that little bit of pass for that but ultimately there was a reason why because they they were very regimented they were always a good team during that during that time in the 70s and 80s (laughs) and it it takes a certain level of you know the locker room just being having the locker room and the culture to be able to withstand that year after year after year and i feel like out of everything that's the one thing that the cowboys have lost that they do not have that culture the way that they did and i agree with that
2: but pickles is right read north dallas 40. And you if you're a young player, when I came into the NFL and heard the stories, they were unbelievable. They just didn't have the media presence and the social media that they have today. Yeah. And I that's mean, what I mean, happened.
0: I mean, you because think you about
2: had the you Dwayne Thomases, know. you had the Hollywood Henderson. Of course, of you course. had the Ron and, Springs.
3: And you
1: and you
2: Hollywood know,
3: Henderson got kicked off the Cowboys eventually by Tom Landry. He said enough was enough. And Dwayne Thomas decided he wasn't talking to anyone because he had a contract dispute, yeah. so he just wouldn't speak to anyone. <laughs> they
2: had characters, trust me. When I first yeah. came to the NFL, they had, I mean, and every team had characters. Of course they yeah. do. Of course,
1: of course they do. Back to when the sports started, we just we didn't read about. We didn't. If we read about it, exactly. it was weeks later, and and exactly. normally. The person covering the team, if he writes too much stuff about the team, will not be allowed to get in the locker room anymore. So it had to be it had to be kind of whitewashed somewhat. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it had to be. So, um, Pags, one more thing for you before we let you go. Um, is as you know, we'll be having our the April twenty eighth draft show, and the reason why he knows that is because he's going to be reporting live from the draft for the NFL uh, draft show here on Northeast Streaming Sports. As Jim will be coming in too as a guest talking about their pick, but he'll be there live as he, as he is most times. I mean, I, uh, as far as I know, he's been there for almost ever. I mean, I think uh, it goes back all the way to uh, – who was the first commissioner in football, Jack? I know you remember because you were around then. Who was that again? Uh, Bell. Right, Bell. Commissioner Bell. So, so anyway, so um, – so, anyway, thanks, but what I want you to do – next- really It really
3: was George Hollis In reality ran the NFL. Could
1: well, really, if you want to know the truth, it was Jim Thorpe. I thought you knew that. But anyway, um, Pags, next Sunday before the draft, of course, is that Thursday, we want you to come on and give us, as I told you, and I'll remind remind you today, what will the Philadelphia Eagles first two draft cho- choices be in the first round and why? And uh, you know, this we will study this also, Pags, to uh debate you and we'll write down your your pick and, and we might agree with you depending on, you know, I know how you pick your drafts, you know, you just want to get all alignment and on both sides of the ball. I think that would be a whole draft. If you were the GM, you want to have a quarterback or running back, the guard would probably be playing quarterback. So anyway, we'll, uh, we'll debate you a little bit, do, do a little bit of studying for us in between your Running around the nation following your Philly team. I was
6: all ready for it today. I thought you meant today. So I was all excited and ready for it. I actually did some research. I I got my whole thing together here, and now I'm not even I gotta save it till next week. You do you can
1: refine it. I mean, something might happen. You might see something that you didn't see before pack. Maybe, just maybe the Eagles make the move before the draft so we could save a little a little bit of time and see why they did what they did. Maybe that will happen. in in this next week. So anyway, Pags, thanks for researching. Be ready to go with it on on our show. That's all we're going to do next week is just talk about the draft and your guys' picks and our picks against your picks and all that happy stuff. So it should be a lot of fun. Folks, follow the Philly Sports Guy on TikTok and all Instagram. Everywhere he is, he's at every game. He divides himself up. He has twin brothers and the rest of his family run out there and they cover all the games at once. And you think you're seeing things, but you're not. It's the Philly sports guy. So check him out. And uh, what else is going on, Pags? before we let you go? I know you had to Before, real quick,
2: I got to let you know, Pags. I was going to vote you as a commissioner. I'm taking my vote away. Yes. yes. (laughs) That's okay.
6: You know what? I don't know that I want the job. Well, okay. Although uh, if we're talking about the commissioner of football, then I, I I'm okay with that because I wouldn't mind being able to use the jet whenever I want to uh, for the rest of my life and all those you know all those things that Cadell gets I tell you yeah I, I I used to think that oh he was like the the most overpaid guy in the world and then you think about all the things that he has to deal with and be able to make sure it gets swept under the rug or gets hidden really? and you know stuff like that and I tell you there's a reason why. You know, when when you know where all the bodies are buried, you better make sure that you, uh, you know, that they take care of you for the rest of your life because he's got the he's got the roadmap to where, uh, you know, to that whole cemetery. Oh, yeah. Listen, <laughs> listen, to
1: Pags with his his mob references. That's great, great
2: stuff.
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, Pags. Anyway, what do you else you got going? I know you got this uh, charity thing you're doing. Update us on that.
6: Uh, yeah. So uh, next Saturday we're doing. Uh, it's a wiffle ball slash you know chugging for charity where we're going to have <laughs> so Philadelphia chugging. Phillies, Philadelphia Phillies, Phillies and Eagles, uh, you know both past and present showing up to uh, raise money for the Eagles Autism Foundation. Okay. So this is a, a this is my second uh, second annual event, uh, but it's it's we're we're making it bigger and better, and yeah, you know, our goal is to raise over ten thousand uh, dollars this year and. You know, break you know, from last year, I think I raised it was like $8,600. So we're trying to get above $10,000. And it's going to be a, an all-day full of fun. We're going to be reporting it and, and doing it live here uh, on Northeast Streaming Sports. So you'll get to see it all day long uh, where, you know, you maybe even get to see me hit a wiffle ball or, you know, you won't see me chug a beer, though. That, Wait, that is what, not happening.
1: What event do you have for autism that doesn't require Chugging beer—that's all I want to know. Because everything I've seen so far, heard so far, there's, there's, you know, you got your uh, your your uh, shuffleboard chugging beer, you got your wiffle ball chugging beer, you have your uh, ping pong chugging beer. I mean, what contest do
6: you have? <laughs> Look at, I, actually, this is my about. first. This is my first beer chugging competition ever. Okay. So I've never, right. i never—I don't know what you're talking about because the Philly sports guy doesn't drink I, uh, when he's when he's working. Right,
1: so. right. I've heard that before and I've also I, seen the Wait a minute. Before.
2: Wait a minute. I've seen videos.
6: Yes, I you have. You have? Have you seen yeah. videos?
2: Yes. I've been yeah. chugging but it was somebody at, gave me the drink, so. Yes. At, yeah, You at,
6: may see at, me do a small shot every once in a while but usually I do not drink until after the games. You know, there's oh, too, the many, too many okay. kids. Oh, I I I am not I'm not an angel. I drink. Okay. All you right. know, but I <laughs> yeah, but I not not before the games and not like for the draft, I will be I'll be, you know, so mostly sober. You know, I mean As it skippers, is better so sober. Right. Yeah. Well, I was pretty sober last year. I didn't that's drink okay. at all. Right. So so, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So, but yeah, anyways. that's
6: that's part of that's part of the thing though. There's there's too many kids watching. There's too many people that's paying true. attention. The camera never leaves me. And you know, when you have that type, you know, like even at the bar when I go, it's like I have to be really careful because I don't want to, you know, I can't go stumbling at it anywhere because it's like after after I got that face paint on, somebody's always trying to catch me messing up. Yeah, and I, I, I just I to refuse that. to that give them that true. opportunity. I wish <laughs> more
2: people would do that because then we wouldn't have these issues with these players if they thought you, that way. What do you mean? You mean dressing, painting themselves up, Jim? No, when they're out in public, you got to know around you. Pags is, you know, unique in uh, the paint, but he also understands that that's his brand. And he understands that he has to protect his brand. You know,
0: I
6: I am forever getting pictures or videos of people that, I mean, just, I mean, the the biggest story this week was the Philadelphia fan throwing the phone on the, on the field. You know, the, the Phillies fan throwing the Mets fans phone on the field. Who was there at the very end of that video? You know, everybody thought that I was the one that threw the phone because of the way that the picture looked. When I had nothing to do with it, I just paid attention and really was protecting the Mets fan because you could tell that things were starting to get a little bit more volatile, and I'm just like, hey, listen, this was a non-violent situation.
3: How did he get the phone to throw it on the field, you know?
6: So the, the Mets fan, what happened was the Mets fan uh, was all excited about the win. This was for the 2 nothing game, so it was the Saturday night, and he came running up the steps and sh- like, kind of put the phone in the Phillies fan face the Phillies fan just grabbed the phone and tossed it literally it was like he it was that close to his face that he just grabbed it and do it a quick toss well of Philly course Ben's
3: not guilty then I don't like what he did but you have a phone stuck in your face well and, and that's you know on. out of
6: all the things that could have happened there you know what I mean like a fight could have broke out or whatever this was it was just a non-violent type of situation everybody everybody every player in that whole scene wound up getting 15 minutes of of fame Mm -hmm. just because of it all happened. And you know what? It's nonviolent. So everybody could talk about how bad Philadelphia acts. Truth of the matter is, is that it was all egged on by the Mets fan. It wound up being completely nonviolent. And it, you know, instead of elevating to that point, I just really went there to make sure like, Hey, calm down. It's all right. You're going to be fine. Everybody gets out of here. Nobody gets arrested. Everybody got, he got his phone back. The phone was in good great shape. It did not even have a crack or scratch on the phone because it landed in the grass. I mean, it was, so it was, it was a great event, but, um, and it made everybody a little bit more popular for a few minutes But that's it. You know what I mean? And that's all it was where instead of having a fight or having cops involved and things like that, people getting hurt, you
2: know, this was
0: a goofy,
6: funny moment.
2: The Philly fans are so sensitive. You know, they're just the greatest fans in the world. But they did beat up Santa Claus, and I was there for that game.
6: Were you there for that game? Then you saw how bad that Santa Claus was.
2: Oh my goodness!
6: He was a bad Santa. You oh. know what I mean, he was skinny. He was skinny. He was drunk. Yeah, oh, you know, the uh, real Santa didn't show up, and next you thing know, up, you know, we're
0: getting
6: snowballs. hey listen, I got a snowball for you, Jim. When I see you at the draft, I I'm gonna—I okay. got it in the freezer waiting he's for dump you. Dump
2: water on Jimmy Johnson's <laughs> hair. <Come on. laughs> well, these wonderful fans. Oh, they're always trying to. Hey, they're just misunderstood. They are. <laughs> I'm gonna
3: tell you, Pax. If you were around when Jeff Cobb was playing. He's one of the players I think you could have gotten to. You could have gotten inside his head by yelling, know. you know, you got no pass rush, Jeff coat You would have had him try extra hard. And, you know, I think you would have grown Jim And And, and,
6: and I'm, I'm like that where I start to Google somebody. So if I can find something about you where, like, oh, you still live with mom or mom makes you a very specific, this is your favorite meal and stuff like that, I'm using that type of stuff. I, I never go below the belt. Obviously, yeah. you never bring in anybody's family. You never bring in any type of injury. Uh, I even go as far as to say if something happened off the field, I try my best not to use that. Like it's, you know, there's some there's some things that everybody everybody's got a skeleton in their closet. And I don't like to bring those things out. However, if you've got an ugly girlfriend, that is definitely fair game, you know, and I'm going to do whatever I can. Because ultimately, all I'm trying to do is throw you off of your play for, you know, a few seconds. And that's all that would need to happen. And on occasion, you see it happen. It's funny when I, you know, I remember playing the Red Sox, and I was right there on the left field, you know, you know, just chirping at the left fielder, and he had a he broke like a second too late, and it fell in for a single. And I, I got all excited because I got him, and everybody knew that I got him. You know what I mean? Because he was paying a little bit of attention to me instead of paying attention to the field, and that split second made the difference. You know, and it's so it doesn't work all the time. But like, uh, I, you know, Russell Westbrook, when he played for Washington, uh, you know, it's a shame that the guy got thrown popcorn on him because he was going into that locker room dejected because there was only fifteen hundred people in, this, in the arena and you could hear me from across the other side of the stadium. And uh, I was on him. Well, you know, like as as anybody could ever have been. And he was going in dejected because he couldn't do anything. And I wasn't doing anything. Malicious, you know. I wasn't cursing at him. I don't curse, you know. I just you just bag on them and just rag on them. And you know when you're getting to them, you know what I mean. You can just feel it. And it, you know, like I said, doesn't always work. When I tried to do the same thing to Giannis, Giannis had a great game. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I know he could hear me.
2: You know what I mean? But he done that he... to me at that time, Pags. I wouldn't have worried about it because I had seventy-two people at the game. They would have found you. And um well, you know you what, might have been that's... floating in the river.
6: That that's the fun part about this is that on occasion you hear the players actually will yeah, they're like I you know well, the Saints game. I mean I, I that first time they went in twenty eighteen when we lost in the in the you know the uh, conference, mm-hmm. you know, semis, I guess, uh, against the Saints. I, I, I take full responsibility for that first interception to start off the game with, with Drew Brees. You know what yeah. I mean? Because I I mean that was quiet as a pin drop in him. but you hear me yelling and screaming and we're coming after you. We got you all day, blah 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 blah. And you he, he looked at me at one time because you, you could just tell. He's like, shut that guy up. You know what I mean? Just because I was I was doing my thing. And I'm not a quiet guy. You're, you're not that's
1: for <laughs> sure. So folks, again, Philly Sports guy, Jamie Pags will be live. Doing reports for the draft for the Northeast Streaming Sports Draft Show, twenty-eight April, starting at seven thirty. We'll cover the first round that night. Pags, go out there have a little more fun. We'll All see right, you. Pags. We'll see you next Sunday, and uh we'll see you Friday too. So, Pags, have a great day. Have a great Easter, and we'll talk to you later,
6: my friend. Happy Easter, guys. All
2: right, Happy Easter.
1: So there you go, folks. Pags, the Philly sports guy, always bringing us great. And hey, you sports. see how
2: Jack. Is always trying to instigate stuff. Oh, oh my God. Yes. yes. Hey, I listen. You I mean, over Marino.
3: It's, I, it's, I'm just saying, that, you know what I think when you think of Dan Marino? You don't think of the draft. You think of the quickest release in the history of football. Maybe that's his legacy. Maybe.
2: Maybe not. You know, I mean, you I don't know. know what he's... I think about uh, uh, Marino is, is when I broke his rib. Yes, there you go. Yeah, so,
3: I can't believe you got to him. He released the ball too quick. <laughs> you no know, got to Dan Marino.
1: They could hit him after he threw the ball back then, Jack. Well, that's not on the on Under
3: today's game. rules, Jim would have been given a two-game suspension. Yes, I would
2: have. Yes, I would have. He would have to pay the, he would have to pay the bills. bill. And bills. I like Dan. Me and Dan won the senior bowl together. Oh, okay, there you go. See? So while he
1: broke his rib, he said, I'm sorry, Dan. I I know we're, we're good friends, but that's just the game ever.
2: Folks, go. we're, we're going to be never, right never back. Never personal, always business.
1: We're going to be right back. A couple of promotions. We'll be back pretty quick, so stick with us. This is Northeast Streaming Sports. Jack is a legendary Hall of Fame boxing writer. Mac spells cat with the letter K. Mac played football and baseball for 10 years, coached football for 12. Jack was a wiffle ball home run king of the neighborhood. Jack was a sparring partner of the middleweight champion of the world, Golden Gloves Boxer. Max still reads cereal boxes at breakfast. Together, they form the sports odd couple. Both know sports in every way, but mostly at odds with their commentary and opinion. The Mac and Jack Sports Show, eight to ten a.m. on Facebook Live, Northeast Streaming Sports YouTube channel, Thursday through Sunday. Also on Spotify. Tune in and enjoy the show. I'll tell you, guys, I have no idea, no idea what's going on with my board today. I'm all over the place. I think my board's more tired than I am. I got things popping up from YouTube and
2: and, and my
1: downloads, and I'm just trying to throw things up there to see what Yeah, anyway. I, I
2: noticed that because there's this little piece in there about, um, let me tell you the team I hate the most, the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. And I know you're not like that.
0: I know no. you're not. By the way, i, I got to
3: sure. correct you, Jim. I'm Gil Brandt. I've been quiet about it. Great quarterbacks. The really great ones like Marina, Rogers, Mahomes, Elway, Montana, Brady, Manning. They adjust to any system. I don't want to hear that they, can't, they wouldn't adjust to a system as well. I know certain quarterbacks are a little better for certain teams. I understand that. But the gr- truly great ones adjust to any system
2: i can't argue with that but um that's what he told me i can't argue with that it must have been a reason behind it but like pags uh alluded to there were other things in his he had other issues because with that kind of talent you're not going to go to the last pick in the draft
1: yeah I, and i agree with that i i think aaron Rodgers had some kind of problem too before he came out because he wasn't picked as high as he could have been maybe it's just the way he interviewed maybe just the way he talks with the teams um maybe just seemed uh, i you you never know there's a lot we 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 forget that we're human beings a lot of times right we do a job Yes. then we go out there we got boxes to check we got questions to ask but we get impressions of people and i don't care what anybody says if you got a bad impression of somebody, it's gonna kind of lower their score, right? If you go That's in there and you talk to somebody, Jim, you work, you you hire people, Jack, you interview people, and they may be great at their jobs and they may be something that has a lot of talent. But after you get talk done talking to guys, it's like wow, I don't I don't know if I really even like this guy. And and that has to weigh,
2: Jim. That has to hell, weigh yeah, him. there's no question because you're gonna this is gonna be the face of your organization. Yeah, especially in football, and for whatever reason, it, they didn't fit, feel it was a fit.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, you just can imagine. I mean, I, I when I first met Pax, I thought he was just the craziest, wildest guy, if you look at his videos, and then you talk to him, it's like, who is that guy that's talking to me right now? That's not a, 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 a fan that's off the hook. He knows what he's talking about. So I, I think impressions, uh, even, even, you know, they say you can't judge a book by its cover, but we do it. We look at somebody, I don't know, and after you get done talking to somebody, you say well, I really don't know, and and I think a lot has to do in any field. It's all about relationships, guys. Oh, even yeah, when comes, even no when question. it comes to sports, even when it comes. And to we sports. always
2: know that the cow. Um, we talk about the Cowboys, but the Jets took a quarterback. They took Ken O'Brien instead of Dan Marino, so that's yeah. even worse. And reportedly, <laughs> Don Shula would have done that too. You know, the
3: last pick that year you were drafted, what was the name? Oh, I'm having a break, but Daryl Griffith? Daryl Green. Daryl Green turned out to be a Hall of Famer. The guy went 31 the last That's pick right. the first round. So imagine right. that. You know the value that was all over the place. And, uh, you know, it's kind of the draft is always so unpredictable because some of the guys drafted low aren't going to get there. Some of the guys a little That's later. True. Because certain of the guys, at the time you draft them, it's a valid pick, but you don't know that they're gonna get better later on, that they're gonna grow up very quickly after they got drafted yeah. and that they're gonna shoot up and be so good. I you know, it's kind of, that's why I mean Jimmy Johnson used to do that. He won I don't remember the players, but he once drafted a guy based on upside over someone who was more of a sure thing because he was looking for greatness as opposed to a guy who would just be solid and contribute, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, not, not an easy thing to do. I think
1: a lot of people, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people pick like that. Pickles gives a good question. He says, what's your opinion on stadium funding? We know Buffalo, the state of New York is, is giving Buffalo something like $600 million dollars, um, I don't know. That's because they're kind of the stepchild in New York, and and you know New York City gets a lot more attention. Or it's just because Buffalo fans are are probably. I, if I had to pick the best, and I'll throw Green Bay in there. I'll throw Cleveland in there. I think the Buffalo Bill, Bill fans are are the best fan group in National Football League. I know it's a matter of opinion, but all no, the I, I agree with. You. They are some the- of the
2: best fans. Unbelievable. Yeah.
1: Jim, all the work they do off field with Mm -hmm. charities, you know, I mean, they're just a given loving, uh, they love their team. They love helping out causes they're, they're together. I know it's a, you know, it's a big town, small town kind of thing where this is their pride and joy and they love, love sharing it. Uh, I mean, I, I, do you have a problem with the state's funding these big stadiums
2: for billionaires? And that's a good question. That is a good question because, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Tennessee is looking at doing the same thing. With their, they want a new stadium, and their stadium is relatively uh, new, but they want a new stadium, Buffalo and some of the other things. They're saying that Carolina is looking at a, a new yeah. stadium. And these guys are billionaires. They made a success, and now they want the taxpayers to pay for these stadiums, which I don't know, Pickles. I don't know. Here, see? the state of tennessee is giving up 5 million of corporate welfare to the million. 500 million 500 so. million so i don't know if that's right i don't know they, should, they are, the the owners should fund the majority of it how about you jack do you think Well, you no, think- so
3: to let the people vote on it as part of a bill you know uh, during an election i know for the buffalo bills i mean to, uh, to- for the Buffalo Bills to leave Buffalo, I mean, that's like ripping their heart out. That's worse than anything in a big city. I mean, you take certain big cities, you could afford to lose a team. Like the Los Angeles market, they have other teams. So they lose one of their major teams. They can move on pretty easily as much as it would hurt. But not Buffalo, not Green Bay. I mean, especially if yeah. they are Green Bay. Imagine oh, okay. them losing the Packers. It's like people have lost their identity. It's like taking away their last name. Even worse than that, in a sense, uh, I feel. But I also see a point of these, these billionaires who could afford to milking out the city. I think let I think let the city vote on it. You know, as a bill, they might think certain services are more important. You know, like the fire department, education or whatever, but, uh, man, oh, man, to lose the Buffalo Bills for Buffalo, that would be devastating.
1: I agree. Well, let me ask you this, then, because, you know, we all talk about the billionaires, and, and they got all this money, and and, and honestly, they really don't have a billion dollars in their pocket, right? They, they got a lot of investments. They got a lot of things going on. They're the ones – I mean, it's really not that much of a risk, right, to buy a, a huge franchise in the NFL, especially the NFL where the profit-sharing – is supposed to be uh, passed around and you're going to make money.
2: But Except you see, for the Washington team. Uh, they don't. Yes, you're right.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. That's why I said, in most cases, Jim, and we'll, maybe there's others. We'll find out. Maybe that's why the Broncos are sold out every game. Uh, the owners decided to uh, clean house and get the heck out of there as fast as they can, too.
2: So, mm-hmm. But I'm, of course, I'm just talking. I don't know that. No, um, no, no. But you're right. You're exactly right. And the Broncos are going to go for over $4 billion. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and Jim, so, so they're going to pay,
1: they're going to recoup that cost because they are businessmen. They're going to have to pay the bills that are left behind. Like, you know, like, like the, the Mets owner had to do, right. Cohen had to go in there and play off all the debt before they would even let him, I mean, take the wheel, right. He's got to be able to take care of all the debt, make sure that the, the, the organization is is on firm ground. They're not just going to sell it to me, me and Jack, even though we are very wealthy. They're they're going to say, well, you know, look at Jim. Jim, you know, Jim uh, was taking before Dan Marino, so that's a check in our in our in our favor. And then yeah. you know that Jack was was a was a uh, Golden Glove uh participant even though we only fought two fights before that but that's still a check in our in our in our in our thing and me you know i just like to talk a lot so that that might be a minus you know that might be a minus yeah. but <laughs> but you know what i mean it's got to be on firm. Yeah, it's got to make money the owner's got to vote you in, in in every major sport and you're putting up that mon- amount of money so then you turn around and say listen i want a new stadium to 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 help recoup my money i put up four billion can the can the state put up 600 million see i don't know I, I i'm not sure uh i i don't think you should i think if i i think it should be split maybe 50 50 maybe some kind of percentage but as jack says i mean the, the state's got <laughs> the people of state got to be behind this
2: yeah yeah i don't know if it's 50 50 but a percentage yes and, yeah I, uh,
3: I don't know the answer, but some owners, yeah. uh, you know, they they really love to see the city there. And I can't imagine them moving. I can't imagine the Yankees leaving and going to another city. I mean, it's just too prestigious with the New York market. And then you have Jerry Jones, who said to win another Super Bowl, he would write a big, big fat check. What? What's a big fat check? Is it a billion dollars or whatever, you know, at his age? I can't see the Cowboys ever moving out of Dallas because they can't quite get the stadium deal. What are they going to do? Move to St. Louis? The Cowboys? I mean, I just can't see it. In some cases, the city has a certain amount of leverage, yeah. but unfortunately, there are other cities waiting with open arms. You know it. Oh yeah. Give the money for a franchise to move. Oh no That's question. Where they are.
2: And you you do make a good point, but the Cowboys moved out of Dallas years ago they stayed in the Dallas Fort Worth area cuz they remember called they the Dallas Cowboys.
3: Cowboys if they went to St yeah. Louis they wouldn't be called the Dallas Cowboys
2: yeah yeah i would still call them that i mean you know yeah. me i
1: still i still call the cardinals St Louis Cardinals so i mean that's how far back i go so, yeah but the
2: yeah. St Louis Rams became the LA Rams which they were before then they moved right. to St Louis and then they go back to LA
3: San Diego yeah. Chargers yeah. now they're the LA
1: Chargers i still say I mean, it like, you know, I can't help it. I can't help it. It's just its too much movement. Yeah. I mean, I don't even get into the Titans and the Browns and the New York Titans. I'm not even going to go there. So that's yeah, a, yeah. A whole other topic. Real quick, uh, before we go off the air here, um, two big wide receivers, your prediction. Um, does Debo stay in San Francisco? Does Metcalf, where does Metcalf go? I think he's going. So real quick, Jim, let me let you go first. Debo stays with the 49ers or is gone?
2: Yes. I think they work out their differences. And then I think Metcalf goes to the New York Jets. Okay. How about you, Jack?
3: Yeah, I got it. Uh, well, Debo removed his uh, the 49ers logo from his Instagram account mm-hmm. and supposedly has gotten death threats. It's getting sloppy. And it shows you how immature players can sometimes be. I mean, why remove it while you're still a member of the team? Uh, that's basically closing the door on coming back. But I think... When all said and done, he was too valuable for the 49ers. It was their most valuable play on offense. You know, he carried Jimmy Garoppolo to an extent. I think he finds himself back with the 49ers. DK Metcalf, wow. We're going to know before the draft. It's not going to take place after the draft. Yeah, I think he's going to come to the Jets. I think they need that one big dynamic name, that one name that stands out for the franchise. But the question is, if DK Metcalf goes to the Jets, is that good for a young quarterback like Zach Wilson, Mac Jim? Does he get intimidated by a DK Metcalf who's a powerful personality? Is that good for a young quarterback?
1: I mean, I let me tell you this before we go off, Jim. I let you I'll let you say first who you think. Do you think what intimidates? I think
2: he'll be fine with him. I think it's the people they surround him with, just like you said in other situations, and it's the team. And if and they, from whatever, from what I understand, he is a team player.
1: My prediction: Check this out. DJ Metcalf ends up at the San Diego Chargers, folks. That's it for today's Mac and Jack Sports Show. We'll see you again come Thursday. Jack and Frank, Monday, again, going over the fight, telling you about the boxing news. They'll be on at 7 Eastern, 6 Central tomorrow night. Jim and Byron, J&B Talking Shop, great show, fun, covering all the NFL and all the all their teams, the Dallas and the Giants, and some other sports joining them. Great, fun show. Folks, have a great Sunday. NBA champion, playoffs play right now. I'm picking the Celtics to win game one. What do you guys think before I cut it off here? Nets. I'll go with the
3: Celtics to win this series ultimately in the tonight, 17th. Tonight, Jack, Tonight, tonight. Good night. What Jack? Today. <laughs> oh, today. One game. I mean, I'm gonna go with the Celtics to win. Okay, today. two to two to one. We got the Celtics.
1: Jim's got the Nets. So there you go, folks. Check it out. And I hope uh whatever team you're you're a fan of wins today. Have a great one, folks.